Are you a physical therapist who wants to pay off your student loans, gain financial independence, and have true autonomy in your work and your life? The best way to do that is to open your own practice. But how? What are the steps that practically guarantee your success? Well, that's what you're about to learn. The Performance Doc Academy podcast is your audio blueprint to opening your very own physical therapy practice. So let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm Dr. Leon Knight. I'm Dr. Carrie Knight. And I'm Dr. Jared Cooper. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about niching. You've heard a lot about like, you got to find your niche. You got to niche down. Niching is all about, you know, finding the right person. You got to find your customers and the other. But the problem is physical therapists are really apprehensive to niche. And that's because we're kind of trained as generalists. We like to treat everybody. And so the concept of niching is, is really hard. So we're here to tell you that Niching is probably actually a bad idea, despite what you've heard. There's actually a different approach that we're going to share with you. That's what today's episode is about. And uh, I think it's going to be a good one because this this step in the process is one that um, I think most entrepreneurs miss completely uh, or they do it wrong and it ends up being problematic later on down the road. I agree with you. I think I, in the beginning, really wanted to find a niche, find a niche and stick with that niche. But ultimately, I learned that it's an avatar in which you want to chase. And we'll go through what the difference is in order for you to make that, um, not make the same mistake I made and really find who you like and really treat who you love. Yeah, I think when you look online, like on Instagram or, and you're following any of those marketing people, like everyone says, you know, you're nervous to find a niche, but you should find a niche right away because that's how you're gonna set yourself apart. But like we're about to talk about, um, we believe that finding your avatar is more important. So Jared, why don't you not tell only, us the difference? Not only more important, but it's just like, I mean, how do you, like, if you're a physical therapist, how do you niche? Like, what do you do? Like, okay, so I'm a general ortho practitioner, right? I treat, and I like being a general ortho practitioner. I really don't want a niche. Like I, it would drive me nuts if I had to treat the same joint every damn day. <laughs> if I, I only do shoulders. Like, oh my God, how many shoulders can you do? Like, it just gets boring. If you only saw post-ops, it gets boring, right? Because you're doing the same kind of stuff. I know everyone's a little different, but, um, you know, it just, I like being a generalist because it allows me to stay fresh on different techniques. I like treating vestibular. I like treating some light neuro. I like all the joints. I like post-op. I like chronic pain. I like it all. So if I niche down, all of a sudden my day just gets more and more boring because I'm seeing the same thing. Now, some people, that's what they want to do. They're like, I only want to treat TMJ. It's like, fine more power to you. But most PTs that I speak with really do like the variety. It's part of what keeps things interesting for us. And so that's why the concept of niching is so hard for them. So let's just define what a niche is, and then we'll try to understand why it doesn't work and what you need to do instead. So the definition is basically a specialized segment of the market for a particular kind of product or service. So if you imagine as though there are potentially a thousand customers in your neighborhood right now, you don't need a thousand customers. So you want to find out of those thousand customers, can you find a subset of those people that essentially fit into a particular uh, set of criteria that matches what it is that you do? But as we just talked about, that's that's really hard to do. The original function of the NEATH is to reduce the number of people that you're talking to and to ensure that those people hear your message and they know that you're talking to them. Um, so, I mean, what niche did you guys sort of start with? Because I know that you didn't know the term avatar when you first started your practice. 
so you ended up going down the niche route a little bit. I don't know if niche is the proper way to say niche <laughs> as an adjective. But, uh, uh, what, what, what did you start out as and what did you learn along the way? We started out as like the hobby niche, right? So boutique fitness, CrossFitters, the population who really invested in their health. So they believe in health as well. And whatever it takes for me to get back to doing what I love to do, or um, or if I'm not getting what I want from a PT mill, I need someone to understand my sport, understand my um, hobby or whatever it is that I love to do and help me help. And, and it's, it's giving me a personalized approach. And so that's what we really targeted in the beginning. So more of a hobby niche. When you say a hobby niche, you mean it's like things that they were into? Yeah, yeah, activity. Yeah, activity more so than like a a diagnosis, like such as you mentioned earlier, TM, TMJ. It's very specific in that instance. Like I was looking for who who really value their health and did not mind paying whatever it took in order to keep them participating in their hobby. Some 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 people, some of my patients were. Uh, they did Dragon Boat. They did what was it like? Uh, that was my buddy. She she followed me. She did a lot of different things. But every if I when I look back at her, she was uh, one of my favorite patients just because whatever she would always get injured. That's not why she was one of my favorite. Patients. <laughs> she was always coming back. <laughs> but she was trying different things all the time, and it was always in pursuit of a hobby. She did golf. She had a moment where she was running, um, doing distance running. She CrossFit. did CrossFit, and then she also was doing, um, uh, like I mentioned, Dragon Boat. So all what, of that. What is, dra- what is Dragon Boat? It sounds like a Game of Thrones. It's like rowing. It's like rowing. Yeah, it's like rowing. It's rowing, but what is it? You row like forwards instead of backwards? Yeah, one of your moments. You're like, face forwards <laughs> and row. And like, you know, right. on the okay, normally you're facing backwards, right, when you do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like that. Like, it's like a. It's like and and oh so yeah, you she, only have one side, right? And so she's always doing one side and <laughs> repetitively tearing up one side. So um, she gave me good business. <laughs> they don't switch them back and forth from one side of the no, boat to the other. Uh-uh. To no, avoid because the you, inevitable overuse injury. Well, no, because you're dominant on one side. We need you to be Jared dominant and at your best. And whatever side that is, I need it over and over. That's one of those situations where the asymmetry is beneficial for the sport, not the human. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So your your original niche was active individuals who like to take on new hobbies and tasks. Mm-hmm. But I, okay, I would say too, to, uh, like we I, we were a little scared to niche just because. When, especially as a cash-based clinic, it was like, okay, we'll just kind of take who we can get, who's going to pay cash, right? Um, did you? Did you take everybody initially? We yeah. did. Some chronic pain patients um, who did not have, did not fit into the hobby niche, right? They were stay-at-home uh, wives and didn't, like, they, they didn't necessarily have that type of mentality. mentality that I was experiencing with the, the example I gave earlier. How'd they find you? Through, through, I think one was uh, on social media. The other were through friends. So in the being more word of mouth, but you know, it goes against what we are getting ready to talk about where ultimately your, your 
I won't get into it, but ultimately, your word of mouth happens through the, the, the patient that's currently in front of you, and they usually have the same hobbies. But in this case, it wasn't all, it's not always the case, and sometimes that's how it ends up being more, like you have more than just your niche that you end up working with. Yeah, I think we, we didn't do a great job speaking to anybody, in particular in the beginning. Um, I think in terms of Instagram, Leon maybe did speak more towards the active community, but in terms of our website and things, like, I don't, I, we were ex- extremely general. <laughs> and in Not the, in a good way. <laughs> right. The Instagram, was that early on focused on athletes? I mean, I know no. it still is, but... Well, no, I think or, it was... It was more. It was more like on, tips and tricks and it was. rehab strategies for everybody that has an injury that does stuff. Along with patients doing the exercises that I was talking about, right, and, or showing diagnoses and and current patients that I'm rehabbing, I really do believe that's what took me um, to another level in regards to followers, because especially potential patients. They saw someone else doing them as opposed to me doing every single exercise correctly. It was, oh, he looks just like me. Or he's not. I see him struggling through this exercise, but he's at least doing it. Or they would look at it as, I'm going to physical therapy down the road. Why am I not not doing that exercise for my shoulder? Maybe I need to do that exercise, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe I need to receive that type of uh, modality, whether it's dry needling or cupping. So... It was more like an online resume of what physical therapy can be like with me. And then along with that, here are some tricks and tips that you can try that if they make you feel better, great. You, I gain more trust and credibility. If not, then at least you still are like, well, maybe there's more to it. So let me get let me have him look at my shoulder as opposed to just a general shoulder. And that's how I think it's built up. Yeah, but he was in, in a gym. So like in that sense active people saw that and that was helpful. I think if you, if you asked probably 10 physical therapists, who do you want to work with? I would say like eight of them would say, I want to work with active individuals that want to get back to doing the things they love. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, well, you just go to any physical therapy website and you're going to see that. And so the problem with that is that I think the word's ubiquitous, right? It's just, it's all over the place. And so you then got asked the question, who are they talking to? Because if everybody's going after active individuals who want to get back to doing the things that they love, then A, is that even a niche? Because you have you really broken the market down far enough. And then B, when everybody goes after the same piece of meat, you know, you just get carnage, right? Because it's then you're just fighting, you're fighting over the same, over the same, you know, piece of food. So um, let's let's break down ways to niche kind of like the old school thinking, if you will, on how to find the target customer. And then we'll kind of go more into what we believe to be the newer method, um, which we think is far more effective. Um, So ways to niche, number one, we talked about diagnosis niche already. So that's, I only work with people who have TMJ. I only work with, uh, you know, I guess you could also say body part niche as well, right? Shoulder rehab. I just do cervical spine. I just work with headaches, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Number two is the profession niche. So I work with firefighters. I had, I had a professor actually in, in my program that worked with longshoremen, you know, the people that work down at the docks, right? Slinging 
I don't know, what do you call them? Like netfuls of crab and stuff like that, right? That hmm. you know, like that show you see on. Uh, I know what you're talking like, about. The, yeah, DLC or whatever oh, that whatever uh-huh. that channel is, like uh, where it's like you know they're they're out on the boat somewhere, and you're like you're gonna die, like there's <laughs> <just> like <laughs> things flying everywhere, like they're you know they're all bloody and whatnot. Anyway, so he worked with those guys. Um, there's the hobby niche, which is I guess kind of where you were going a little bit early on. Um, even though you didn't pick a specific hobby, but so for instance, like CrossFitters, right. Or working with like Spartan athletes or stuff like that. And then similar to the hobby niche would be the sports niche. So just working with gymnasts, uh, or even more specific, you could say, I just work with youth gymnasts, uh, tennis players. I just do baseball. Um, like Mike Reinhold's a good example of someone who's very clearly entrenched in the, in the baseball niche, you know, probably just even like shoulders. Like, I mean, everything I see from Mike is just you know, baseball shoulders, baseball shoulders. I mean, that's if I might be wrong about what, what he's actually marketing, but, uh, that's what it appears to be. So it becomes very clear. When I think of baseball shoulder rehab, I kind of think of Mike Reinhold, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it kind of, it kind of works in that way. Um, and then there's the general demographic niche. So like I work with individuals who are over the age of 65, you know, or I work with pediatrics. So I do all pediatrics or whatnot. So doing it by age, um, would be a sort of a way to niche demographically. And these are all good. But uh, as we talked about, first of all, inside of each of those groups, there's a lot of heterogeneity among the, not the demographics, but the psychographics of the individual. So all TMJ patients are not the same, for example. All CrossFitters are not the same. Generally speaking, they have the same interest, but they're different people. And the other downside is that as a physio, the moment you niche down into one little thing like that, you've cut your segment pretty hard. So if you live in a small town, you live in a small town and you're like, I live in a small town. I only want to work with CrossFitters. And there's like three CrossFit gyms. It's like you, you only have like a hundred possible people you can work with. <laughs> they better all be injured. So yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you could just keep cycling them because they're just going to keep getting messed up. Uh, but, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's the issue is that when you, when you segment down too hard, if you, if you don't live in a big city or someplace where you have a big population, niching becomes a little bit challenging. And then you, you have the issue of getting bored. So I think all those things really are, are some of the reasons why people have such a hard time niching. The boredom thing was, was the big thing for me. I had the big enough population, but I really just didn't want to treat the same thing or the same person all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before we go any further, I just want to let our listeners know that we will put the definition of the big word that Jared used, heterogeneity, in the show what? notes so that <laughs> they are clear on what he really meant. <laughs> like a heterogeneous, like a different, you know, no, as opposed great. to homogeneous, which is the yeah. same. I but you can put it in the different. show notes if you want. It's on a different level, so I just want to make sure everyone is uh, on, his <laughs> on, on his level. I just use big words to sound smart. That's, <laughs> That's all. So I guess, I guess let's get away from niche. Like you, you mentioned the word earlier avatar and, uh, I, w- did you hear the word from the same place that I heard it from? Because I heard it from the Russell Brunson world. I don't think I, he did not create the word, but that's where I heard it first. Is that, where did you hear the word first? So I, I first heard this idea about the, um, about the avatar from, I think I was really pressed by a mentor but before that i just heard about it as like who's an ideal either customer who's like um 
a profile that you can create that you um, have characteristics and traits in which you either from this this particular field enjoy treating or um, you know if it's not in treating or is someone that you want to sell to or who you think will buy your product kind of thing. And it's like and different, de- different traits and characteristics that, you, that make up their profile. Have, sorry, man. Did you guys have a, a, a like avatar built out when you first started? No. Well, it's funny. I was actually just before we started this podcast, I was looking through some of our old uh, mentor notes and I saw where I wrote, who is your perfect customer? And I started and then it doesn't say anything next to it. <laughs> so I don't know how detailed we were. No, yeah. after the fact though, you know, who, you know who your perfect customer is. I mean, it, it eventually came to re- your realization at some point in time. Yeah. Because it, what happens is you get a, a number of patients that make you smile, you enjoy, you build relationships with, and you start to realize that when they are on the schedule, you're like, all right, this is great. Like you, you look forward to it. You want to see them. And then you, you realize the opposite of those that are on the schedule that you don't enjoy. You start to, you start to notice that, okay, well, you start to pick it apart. Why do I not enjoy this particular patient? Oh, they're, they're Debbie Downer. They don't necessarily do their exercise. They have great um, expectations, but very little effort. And then you flip it. You're like, well, the group of people that I do enjoy working with they are more, they're younger. They actually, their performance depends on, their, their income depends on their performance or their um, fulfillment and happiness depends on their ability to work out, participate, Spartan races, CrossFit. And they are go-getters and they're seeking you out and they're, they are, um, they make, they make every appointment. They don't cancel on you. They're dependable. They reach out. To you. That, that is, that is different. And so, and they acknowledge progress. They are in it for the long game. That's what stood out to me when I was looking at different people in which I enjoy. And so I started thinking, well, if I can have more of these with these characteristics, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be all right and enjoy my, enjoy my, um, enjoy working with these patients. You guys have heard the term attract and repel, right? When you, the idea is to attract the people that you want and repel mm-hmm. the people that you don't want. And it's almost like that repel part is almost more important because there's, there's nothing worse than accidentally attracting people that you don't want. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's true. Like in, in life, <laughs> it's true in like your, your, your life partners. And it's, it's definitely true when you're treating because we essentially establish such close relationships with our patients that when you're, I don't, I, I don't know how to put this gently, but when you're stuck with somebody for an hour and you don't enjoy working with them, that can, your day can get real long. So initially, if somebody is, um, they're just starting out, they have maybe done some clinical rotations and they get out of school and they're working in, let's say, maybe a practice that just sees one thing. They just see post-ops and they decide, okay, post-ops aren't for me. Um, I use that as an example because there's, there's a couple of clinics near me where it's like all they see they're in the, they're in the, in the building, they've got, you know, orthopedic surgeons and just every, every patient they see is a post post-op. Um, or you get someone who does uh, home health. They start out in home health. They want to go to open their own practice, but they're not sure who they want to work with. So that's where they find the challenge of 
Um, well, how do I know who my avatar is? How do I, how do I essentially create a profile, an avatar profile of the, of my perfect, my perfect customer? How, how, how did you go through it? And how can somebody who's in that position go through it? I think it's important to, you're not going to just, you're not going to just like working with one person. I, I think, I think, you know, um, you're going to have multiple people in which you enjoy working with for different reasons. But oftentimes there are similarities that you find that go across the board for most of the patients that you enjoy working with. I think it's important that you write those down and start to create a true profile of who makes me happy, who do I enjoy working with? And then it's easier for you to say, well, this, I, I look for this, I look for this, and I look for that. And it's once you have that, I think you are able to really hone in on what to say that attracts that particular patient down the road. And so um, the idea of only picking one person, I don't, especially if it's early, you don't know if you like, like the one person story of he was a post-op, came from another clinic, and now, and, and you were able to heal him to heal him and make him be able to get to where he needed to be, where he would never got there and, um, without meeting you. And now he is grateful and you guys have developed a relationship. That may not be the case for every person. Every, uh, that may not be the case for every other person that you enjoy working with. So I think get a number, get a, a larger sample size of patients that you enjoyed working with and then piece together. Hey, maybe it wasn't always they have to become from a post-op. Maybe they are just grateful for the what you do for them. And they are grateful for you getting them back to just doing what they love to do. And they have a certain level of dedication, a certain level of commitment. And they are in this particular age group, right? Like you start to really hone in on what it is as opposed to like a one specific person um, case. Um, but I just, that's just my stance in terms of what I think um, is the best way to develop an avatar, especially if you are gaining experience early on. Take the, take, like, just like if you were to see a shoulder and you have success with the shoulder, right? Let's say you have success with someone that has shoulder impingement early on you don't know really what you did in order to get them better and if it will be effective for the next person and the next person and the next person. No, you develop you develop your scheme, your principles based on repetition, um, seeing patterns. Similar to with the, uh, an avatar, you're, you're, you're taking data and developing this little um, uh, profile of those that you enjoy working with. And so that's what I think is how you develop your perfect avatar in order to sell to or market to. So it becomes like an amalgam, if you will, of like a, a bunch of different people that you enjoyed working with, finding out what you liked about that group and essentially stitching it together into like a Frankenstein of your, your perfect person, which I think is a nice way to think about it because then you get the best of the best especially if you're basing it off of multiple people. The, I think there's another way to think about it as well, which is 
I think from in, in, in my business, when I first started out, I didn't know a damn thing about marketing, like nothing. I mean, I guess I knew about branding, but I didn't know much about marketing. Um, I knew branding because from a previous business, but, but not much about marketing. And when I first started to learn about marketing and I heard this term avatar, I didn't really understand how to build, uh, the, the Frankenstein profile, if you will, of the perfect person until somebody made a suggestion to me, um, that I thought was super helpful in my, in my instance, which was to pick one human being that I've worked with in the past that I absolutely loved that answers the question. If I had a hundred more of this person, would I love my life and my business? And for me, that was a human being named Rebecca. And essentially she was a mom she was in her forties, Pilates, uh, had a bunch of free time on her hands. Husband to mate, uh, essentially was, uh, the, the breadwinner. And so she was freed up to take care of her kids, take care of herself. And there were a, a bunch of other, um, details along with that, but she eventually became our like perfect customer. I was like, man, if I had a hundred more Rebecca's like that would be amazing. And I didn't end up with a hundred more Rebecca's of course, people are going to show up at your door from all different walks of life. They're going to find you in different ways. But I think where the, um, the avatar thing becomes so important and whether you, whether you develop your avatar based upon the approach that Leon just said, where you're essentially stitching it together from the people that you like to work with, or you develop your avatar because you have one human being that represents the perfect customer that you would never change. And everything about them is exactly who you want to work with. The key is, you need to be able to put pen to paper on it. And that's why we have in the show notes of this episode, an avatar profile for you guys to build. And on the avatar profile, you'll see that you got to put that person's picture. So it can be the actual person that you've worked with in the past, or you can essentially search online for the type of person that you want to work with and find a picture that represents the human being. And then you're going to add in different information about this person. What are their hobbies? What's important to them? What do they want? What do they hate? What do they fear? And that's typically referred to as psychographic information, but it's basically essentially that person's persona, their personality. What do they like? Um, you're going to pick a name for this person. And then you're going to try to find people like this person on Facebook. Maybe if it's an actual human being, you can go check them out, check out their Facebook page and see what they're into. See what kind of posts they do. See, see what kind of friends they have, what kind of groups they join and get to know your avatar as best you can. And if it's an avatar that's stitched together from a bunch of different experiences or it's one human being, the more you know the avatar, the better you'll be able to message to that theoretical person. And you'll essentially attract more people like that person and you'll repel people that are not like that person. That's kind of the idea. And that's how you essentially build a clientele of people that you really enjoy working with. And Leon and Carrie have done an amazing job of this, particularly, I think you guys did an amazing job through Instagram because your Instagram speaks to a very specific person. And even through the name of the business, it's just very clear who you're talking to. And I could probably in a room full of a hundred people pick out exactly who would be your perfect customer. And I could probably easily pick out who you probably wouldn't really want to work with, but you would, but it wouldn't really be, you know, your neck of the woods. And I think that's because you've done such a good job of actually figuring out who you like and who you don't like. And what would you guys say? 
to somebody who's like, well, I'm just getting started. I don't want to really repel anybody because I need to bring patients in the door. <laughs> Leah, you take that one first. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, oof. Well, I would, I believe it's okay to see people you don't like to see in the beginning. Like, I, I don't, I don't believe in completely repelling money, but that doesn't mean that um, I'm not taking notes on what I like, what I don't like, and am I going to ask them for more referrals from the groups that they hang out with, you know? But I think as you get more patience, more experience, more, like, how about this? Let me, let me backtrack. It's nothing wrong with accepting a patient that doesn't fit your profile. You just don't want the message to be bringing them in the door. Like you don't want you don't want that to be the reason why they came to you is because your message is off. So the idea of making sure that your message is on brand as well as clear to the avatar that you want to attract, that is more important um, to make sure that is right and that that's not the reason why they're coming in the door. You can treat them when they come in the door, but I just want to make sure my message is not the reason why they came. And their friends don't come to the door. Right. I, I, I can give you an answer based on what I did and then what if I, in, in hindsight, what it would have done differently. I think what I did initially is what you said. I didn't turn away the money. And in hindsight, I should have turned it away. And the reason is um, when you're good at what you do and you get, let's, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, pay, a lot of physios don't really enjoy treating patients with real chronic pain that much. And that's because they're really hard to get better, um, for a number of different reasons. And the things that you do to get them better are maybe not the cup of tea of, you know, a classical orthotherapist that likes to throw balls against the wall and do cervical manips. Like you, you wouldn't, those necessarily wouldn't be like, you know, your, your mainstay of treatment with these folks. Okay. So let's say you, let's say you get, a particular kind of chronic pain patient, let's say like a fibromyalgia patient in the door and you do a good job. The problem is then that fibromyalgia patient then goes and tells 10 more fibromyalgia patients and you accidentally get, and that's what happened to me is like, I did really well with some chronic pain patients. They went and told a bunch of other chronic pain patients. And then I had a line of chronic pain patients at my door and I was like, I don't want any more chronic pain patients. And I ended up filling up my schedule with people that I actually didn't want to treat. Uh, and so I think in retrospect, it might've been better for me to partner with a therapist that that is their thing, like a hundred percent and say, listen, you're going to get ortho folks that, you know, are not, you know, in your strong suit, send them over to me. And if I get a chronic pain patient, that's not my strong suit, I'll send them over to you and maybe kind of use it as a, as an opportunity to, you know, to make relationships. For example, we don't live in the same hometown. You're in Charlotte. I'm over here in Hendersonville. But if I, uh, if I were in your hometown, for example, and a high, high level pro athlete that needs to go, you know, that's in the uh, NBA or whatever came in and they were, I'd probably call you up and be like, dude, I need you to see, you know, this person. Could you see him for me and then send him over to you? Because that's not the mainstay of what I love to do. I like treating athletes, 
but pro athletes are a different breed and they're, it's, it's, it's right down your alley. So I'd be like, and then you'd probably end up getting, you know, someone with like maybe a vestibular issue, then maybe you'd send them over to me. So I don't know. I think in, if I had to go back and do it all over again, I might've done it differently and taken fewer people that weren't the people that I wanted to treat for that exact reason, just so that you don't end up with uh, a roster full of folks that are not your folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, one of our other uh, mentors has talked to us a lot about like this abundance mindset, like having this mindset of abundance rather than scarcity. So even when you're starting, like it's good if you can have that mindset, because like Jared said, then you can make these connections and network with other people by sending people elsewhere. Cause hopefully, you know, the idea of kind of givers gain, you'll get some of those people back in return. Did you say givers gain? I like that. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Givers> gain. <laughs> it was, uh, no, I'm not going there. I was I was part of a group, and uh, it was one of the. You remember Jared? I talked to you. He's like, "Yeah, you scratch my back." It's really it's 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 basically code for scratch my back. I scratch your back. Scratch my back. Yeah. Reciprocity. Yeah. All right. So, let's sum up. Niching is a good idea, but only if you're super clear on what your niche wants to be. There are. Five niches that we talked about, diagnosis, profession, hobby, sport, and demographic. And these are different ways of narrowing down your target target market. And if you know that you only want to work with gymnasts, by all means, go into a sport niche and keep your life super simple. But for many therapists who don't necessarily want to limit the type of patients that they see, they know they want to see active patients, um, but there's a lot of active people in the world and you can't see all of them. How do you narrow it down? And how do you narrow it down in a way that's easy? So we introduced this concept called the avatar, which is a classic marketing concept. And Leon gave you one perspective, which is kind of taking the Frankenstein approach where you're stitching together a profile from a number of different people that you've seen that represents your perfect patient. And I give you more of a historical approach to do it where you think of a person that you've actually treated in the past and use that person as a model and say, okay, I want a hundred more of this person in the door. Both approaches are going to work so long as you meet the following criteria. When you're done, you know your avatar inside and out, like your best friend. You know what they look like, you know what they sound like, you know how they feel, you know what they want, you know what they don't want. And the more you get to know your theoretical avatar, the better off you are. Because then when you write an email sequence, you write it to your avatar. When you put an ad uh, on Facebook or Instagram or in a newspaper, you put the ad out to your avatar. When you have conversations, you're at a party, you're socializing, you look for your avatar. And that is why an avatar is so powerful because it actually in your brain represents a human being rather than a category. It becomes much, much easier to have the marketing conversation to that person, attract them to your doors, get essentially a roster full of those people so that you don't have to turn people, you, you want to turn people away because you're too busy and not because you need the money. So I think that's essentially a, a summary of what we got today. And make sure to check out the show notes from today's episode to grab your avatar profile template, something that you guys can work off of to get started right now. Thanks so much for listening to the Performance Doc Academy podcast. Make sure to head over to www.performancedocacademy.com 
www.thecoachmentor.com, where you can learn everything that you need to know about how to start, grow, and eventually sell your very own physical therapy practice. We are going to teach you step by step. It is all of the information and knowledge that we wish that we had when we started out in our own practices. And this is going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars in mistakes. Head over to www.performancedocacademy.com. We'll see you there.